Hello and welcome to my show, The Natalie Noise Podcast, where I interview business owners, entrepreneurs in their respective fields and areas of expertise. As a natural networker and connector with a passion for storytelling, I can promise you that you will walk away thinking deeper as you listen to some of my guests discuss their various journeys in business, real estate, entertainment, and more. On today's episode, I speak with Rihanna Kinto, a recruiter and creative professional with excellent organizational and interpersonal skills. Currently contracted with Microsoft, Rihanna brings five years of experience to our discussion, specializing in hiring for diverse roles within accounting, finance, and technology. We hear her insights on the recruiting industry and share valuable tips for current job seekers. Rihanna is not just a colleague, she's a great friend. I hope you enjoy our conversation. How are you doing, Rihanna? I'm doing good, Natalie. How are you? I am doing good. Thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Of course. It's so great to hang out with you. Um, I'm excited to be here. Something you've talked about with me for a long time. So happy to be here. Uh, as I have asked with a, a few of my previous guests, I always like sharing the story of how we met. It gives some background and context to um, how you and I met, but also just about you. Can you tell me how we met? Yeah. Natalie and I met, crazy to say it, we met eight years ago, which is crazy to think about because it feels like so long and also so short of a time that I've known you. Um, But a little bit of context for me. So I'm originally from the Bay Area and I moved down here specifically to go to school. And I had only gone to Cal Poly twice prior to my first day. Once when I toured the campus and I decided I was going to go there. The second time was on orientation, which was a week before my first day of school. Anybody who knows anything about Cal Poly knows parking is a horrible, horrible situation. So, well, I couldn't find parking. So I had to end up parking at that back parking lot. So I walk. By the time I enter, I just knew. I knew that I was going to have a horrible seat. And I ended up having to sit at the very front of class. We're going through our syllabus. And our professor then tells us that we're going to be working in group like the whole the whole quarter and she assigns us our groups and Natalie was in my group now a little caveat is that I transferred to Cal Poly at, like from a community college so did most of the people that were in these upper division classes so if we had the same major and minor we were always in the same classes for the most part our next class I don't remember what it was but I remember I got like a great C and I was super like ready so I was ready they were asking me questions and I was raising my hand and just like chatting but again I had no friends like my first day of school I knew one person on that campus and that's somebody Who that was I, it? Somebody I grew up with, he was on the basketball team. He was just like, hey, if you ever need anything, like, feel free to text. You know, he was he was still really nice. He's like a family friend. So I just remember we had two back-to-back classes and then lunch, basically, right? And so at that lunch, I was like, oh, God, I have, like, no friends. Because I knew not a single soul on this campus. So that day, I, like, went. I, I packed my lunch. I, like, went in my car and talked on FaceTime to all my, like, siblings. And they're like it's going to be great, Rihanna and my mom. They're like, it's going to be great. You're going to make friends soon. And I was like, I hate it here. Like, I haven't talked to anybody. Like, no one has introduced themselves no to me. I yeah, had, it was really I hard. I had no idea. Like, I really didn't. When you would ask questions in class, I was like, you're social. Like, and you are. No, I am. It's the first day of class. Like, I'm not expecting me and a bunch of people to become best friends immediately. And I don't really, surprisingly enough, we didn't do any, like, icebreaker games or, like, get-to-know-you games. Like, we didn't do anything. And so it was just, like, I went into that. And so anyways, 
you know, Natalie and I are in a group, along with some of our other really good friends to this day. We actually had to meet to like go over our, our group stuff. And somebody in our group was super on it. And it was not me. I'll tell you that because I didn't. After we did that, I never did that ever again. <laughs> like booking a room but I just remember somebody in our group was like oh we can you know rent out a room in the library it's really cool they have like whiteboards da, 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 da. so we all meet in this room and it's me Natalie two of our other friends and then this random person that like I to this day cannot I no remember probably look back at a paper and no I think I know who it is I feel like his name was Christian. I think he majored in org com. I'll have to relook. We can look at our notes. So we all get into this room and we start doing icebreakers, right? They're like, oh, you know, like, tell us about yourself. So we go around in the thing. And, and we did like two truths and a lie. And I, I believe one of Natalie's lies was like, I, I'm what? Well, no, not lies. But one of the things she said was she's like, I'm married with children. And I, I actually am a very observant person and I had noticed like when we got kind of assigned to groups, I think we were able to like meet up a little bit and I noticed she was wearing a wedding ring. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I just thought you're kind of like the same vibe as my sister, like got married young and still like close to my age. And so Natalie's like, no, that's true. Like I, I do, I am married and I have, you know, children, children, multiple and I'm like, wow, like you look so amazing. And in my head, I'm still thinking like her children are taught like babies like one and two like little babies and she's like no you know like they're one of them I think at the time was like in school like one is like in pre-k and she's like one's in like middle school or going to high school and I'm like what I was like you're I was like that's the lie Natalie like right now is and she was like no like I'm telling you guys the truth and we're we're all like the Lord just looking at you so many people that didn't believe yeah, my age or how many kids I had or anything like even even in at under in undergrad. Yeah. So when when I told you guys, I was just very like discreet. I was like, yeah, I have some kids, and you guys kept pushing. And then you're like, how old are you? And so I think then you guys we were did. Like, shocked when, when I told she you. told yeah. us how old she was, and I don't even know what it was then. Yeah. Like I can't remember, but yeah. I just remember being like, first off, give me your skin routine. Like drop the skincare because you look the same age as me. And at that time, I was twenty, I think. You were, yeah. I, I was 20. 20. 20 or 21. I think, actually, I think I had just turned 21. So that's crazy to begin Which with. your maturity level, it just speaks to your maturity level at that young age. Because I remember thinking, I need to work with this girl. She's obviously asking great questions. But you were super mature, but you were so young. I didn't even, I don't even think I believed you when you told me how young you were. Yeah. And I told you, I was like, no, I just yeah. turned 21 yeah. like, right before school and da, da, da. Yeah. So that's kind of what connected us. And after our first group, we just kind of found our rhythm in terms of our people we wanted to work with. And we got to take almost every single class together because Natalie yeah. and I majored in the same exact thing. And it was such a great experience. And obviously yeah. we're still very close to this day. And, you know, we have some other really great friends and I just am always so grateful for Cal Poly and the people that I brought my way like they're just they're just so incredible and I think it's so cool to connect and see where everybody is at like I think everyone's doing such amazing things so no shout shout out out Cal Cal Poly Poly, 100% like Like, learn by doing you guys it was incredible just being able to communicate and just really learn how to work in a group because that's so real life like you're not typically ever really gonna just be doing your thing all by yourself especially mm-hmm. in a field 
if you majored in communications and whatever you're doing, it's a very collaborative work yeah. environment. And so we talk about it all the time, but like I loved yeah, that my time. was was incredible. I still drive by there occasionally and I still just like get these moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, like this was our life for our lives for two years. I know. And it was so much fun. And I think even like other departments, engineering, like I think everybody just had a, it, it's a very, it's a commuter school, but it's a very community rich. Everyone gets along like you'd have dancing going on in the quad. Honestly, I couldn't have asked for a better college experience. Like I know I didn't live on campus or do any of that, but no, it was, it was so fun. Yeah. I had just an amazing time. Post-grad, so you're a recruiter. Uh, you're currently contracted with Microsoft. What drew you to recruiting? And specifically, can you also tell me about the types of jobs that you have placed Sure. So how did I get in recruiting? This goes back to connections. So again, we were talking about, you know, going to school. I went to school for PR. I thought that's what I wanted to do. My whole envisionment, I guess like when you see PR and it's talked about like in media, so like think TV, movies, like it's always like this glamorous person driving like a super cute car, wearing her like wonderful, expensive pantsuit, just like such a sleigh and like that's I wanted to be a boss like I wanted um I wanted to be that so my senior year or last year of college we all had internships or like a lot of people got internships and I got one and it was through a mentor of mine and she actually works in PR and communications and I realized when I started doing like the grunt work, like the stuff that I knew, I, I was humble enough to know I'm not starting and going to like make decisions and be a part of like PR like disasters and be like, okay, this is how we fix them. Like I knew that even though I would love to, I knew we weren't, but I hated what I had to do. Like my day to day in that internship it was just very boring. Like I made press releases. I posted things to social media. I edited a bunch of stuff on Photoshop. And again, like what I probably have loved to this day to do PR, probably like what I could have done in five and six years, right? Like where I'm at currently. But I, I didn't like that. And then on top of that, I just saw how catty a work environment could be. And so as I started thinking like our spring quarter about what I was going to do, I think the biggest thing for me was to find a culture and a work environment that I was going to like, and it was going to promote growth and it was going to help train me. And like, it was just going to feel like a great place to work. One of our friends from Cal Poly, um, she actually did an internship the same summer I did at my old company that I worked at and as we were like starting to talk about graduation I was telling her you know hey I might have to move back home like I really haven't been able to find anything and I was very specific on if I was moving back home I wanted to work in big tech and so I applied to only tech positions and it didn't have to be like communications roles but specific roles there and she was like well Reed like I really think you would be a great fit at this company like they do recruiting look it up and so I did. And I didn't tell her I was applying. I looked it up and I was all about their promotion from within, the opportunity for growth. And just, again, seeing and being friends with her and seeing her experience as an intern, I was like, oh, she works with some really cool, like down to earth people. And I felt like that was what was most important for me in my first job. So I applied and I got the job and I started recruiting. And many people who work in recruiting, they will tell you they fall into it. Like most people don't 
decide that they want to be a recruiter. But I think for me, really, when I think about it, like it does align with what's important to me. Like I love helping people. I love communicating and I love being a part of like big picture. And as you grow within the recruiting field, like you are a part of big picture. You get to help with headcount. You get to, you know, bring diversity standards and start talking through things with hiring managers and be realistic with them and get to have like some of those tough conversations. So, you know, I think overall it was an amazing starting point for my career so I spent five years at an agency um and honestly I could never ever like speak negatively about my experience there like it gave me so much it gave me I promoted four times while I was at the company I was able to become a recruiting manager and oversee my own team build and develop that I was a part of so many SOP implementations like you know, a lot of the reason why there is a foundation for what I recruited, which I recruited accounting and finance in Southern California, um, is because of the stuff that I got to do. And I, I, I loved, I love that. Um, and you know, as five years came, came a lot of other things happened. I just started thinking about like long-term, I just didn't want to be in a, a production focused environment. And so when you work in an agency, you are commissions based and it is very stressful. And I think when I was younger, even though I'm not old now, when I was younger, like I could deal with that stress a lot more and it didn't bother me, the fluctuation of things and all of that. But as I'm getting older, like I just want something a little bit more stable. So I, I knew that I, I was going to quit and I did. And I, you know, again, through my network of people was able to land an amazing opportunity as a contractor at Microsoft. And so I've been getting that experience to work at a tech organization and recruiting. And now I specialize internally. So I help a lot of their, um, all of their internal teams with hiring needs across Microsoft overall. But I mean, it's been an, an amazing experience. And like I said, I never would have chosen recruiting, but when I think about it, like recruiting makes so much sense for me. And, you know, I really do enjoy what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. I think it really speaks to a communications degree and the value of being able to properly communicate a message. Um, I think a lot of people go into communications because they know that there's lots of opportunities. So recruiting, yeah. while our friend knew exactly what she wanted to do, like you said, people from different backgrounds, like even I consider recruit. I mean, I love yeah. HR. I, I think that recruiting is something that if you have a passion for talking to people and you like helping, yeah. you know, it's a great field of what work. What skills should or qualities should, uh, would you consider essential for a recruiting role? Well, I think the thing is, is right, there is good recruiters and there is great recruiters. And I think to what we were just talking about right now is that anybody can be taught a skill set to recruit. I think to be a great recruiter, it, there's a lot more that goes into it. So I'll talk about what I believe are the qualities of a great recruiter. I think number one is just the follow through. Um, I think that's huge. And I mean, I see it a lot. And obviously my LinkedIn algorithm is a little bit different than probably yours, Nat. But, you know, I see a lot of times candidates, especially in this job market, talking about how they've been ghosted by recruiters or they went through, you know, the same five phone screens with different people. And I think that follow through of just remembering one, you're dealing with people and two, to just send that quick note and say, hey, you know, haven't heard back from the hiring manager. As soon as I hear, I'll let you know or whatever that follow through is. I think that's that's huge and extremely important. 
that also goes into my next, which is communication. I think to be a great recruiter, you have to be extremely good at clear and concise communication. Like there's no room for interpretation. You need to be just very direct and to the point, again, still remembering that they are humans that you're dealing with. But hey, if you know that that hiring manager didn't like that candidate's resume, tell them like you don't need to sugarcoat anything. You can say it in a very professional and nice manner and still work with that candidate. But like, let's not leave them in the dark. I, I just that just gets under my skin. Like I, I really can't stand when recruiters that. aren't direct like that really yeah. bothers me. And I would say number three is just organization. Like a lot of what I did and I still do on a day to day is a lot of administrative duties. So like, yes, I am talking to candidates and yes, I am, you know, screening and doing these things, but I am, I have a million tabs open on my computer. I'm emailing a bunch of people. I have all these other things in the back end that I have to do that really don't do anything with per se recruiting, but are important to the process. And if you're not organized, it's going to be really difficult for you. How has the recruiting landscape changed over the past five years? Well, I've only been recruiting for five and a half. So, (laughs) Um, I mean, I think it's really interesting, right? When you think the last five years and even just in my own journey working at an agency, when I started in recruiting, um, the job market was like unemployment was extremely low. And so I feel like a lot of the times when I was recruiting and start when I was starting out, I was looking for more passive candidates. And again, remember, I recruited on more technical and specific things, accounting, finance, tax, those kinds of things. So, of course, I do deal with more passive candidates regardless. But even then, like there wasn't a lot of people on the job market. And especially in that skill set, there was like, I think, the lowest unemployment rate in that in like the accounting and finance realm. So I would really have to target like, uh, again, my recruiting at that point, 2018, 2019, was more focused on really hearing why people are looking for other opportunities or open to new jobs and kind of being that matchmaker for their perfect role, right? Then we think of 2020. 2020 was a crazy year in recruiting and honestly, it was really rough. And I know so many people went through layoffs and reduction in force and just furloughs and just like all this weird stuff because of COVID. And I felt that personally, like, I I still kept my job, but for like weeks on end, I had to end so many different contractors and it was really rough. Like when you think about it, my job right now, we don't have any positions. My job literally is to end people's assignments or tell them that, hey, unfortunately, they have to have a reduction in force. And that was really rough. And obviously, you know couple months into it like things started getting a little bit better and you know we were able to either replace people like they started opening things back up to allow for you know their contractor headcount um but it was still just such a weird time and there were so many people who are unemployed and I and so many good people like so many people that I would have never had an opportunity to work with or connect with if 2020 didn't happen because so many people were laid off and so in 2021 it was like a recruiter's dream oh my god like when I tell you I had people from every kind of niche and specialty with everything I would ever imagine and could have ever dreamed of reaching out to me and saying hey I really I saw you post this position I'm really interested 
oh my god what like it was a dream it was incredible 2021 such an amazing year in terms of like the recruiting and just the hiring and we saw that right there were so many people that got hired it was my best year that I had working at my agency that I worked at like I was able to exceed every sales metric like you know hit our incentive contest all that stuff because of how popping the applicants were like I don't think I really recruited passive candidates at all like I was just talking to these people and now they had a reason to have not had work in six months because they were let go right versus in 2019 like if somebody hadn't worked in six months it was a little like okay well you need to dig in there 2022 I think was a change again because all these companies overhired and they hired a bunch of people and now they're really like okay we don't have the budget we don't have the means and I even saw that for my personal friends who, you know, were in recruiting or got to get to big tech, you know, and unfortunately got let go. And in twenty early 2023 or like late 2022 because of the overhiring. And so 2022 was kind of like a year where I think some companies were still like on this, like, let's go, let's hire, let's hire, let's hire. Like things are going to turn around, da, da, da. And then some companies were like, oh, snap, like we kind of made some bad decisions like we might have overestimated and so you know going into 2023 I think specifically within the talent acquisition market like it it has been such a weird year for finding talent right because there's people who have been let go a number of times and it's true like they're not lying um they just got put in a really bad situation multiple times and then there's people who haven't worked since 2021 right so it's just like it was crazy and I mean I'm even seeing it still to this day right like when I go on LinkedIn now I I see every day people saying hey it's my 11th month 12th month of unemployment oh I haven't had a stable job since 2020 2019 like you know it's such a unique work like environment right now and you know I think it's really important as a recruiter in this market going back to your initial question which was like what is what is what are some of those skills that make a good recruiter is really listening to your candidates and what they're saying and like hearing them out and not just judging what their resume says and not just judging and giving that bias in because I you know it has been hard and I know this from my own personal like just friend group and like professional group. There's so many great quality people who've just been a part of a number of reduction in forces and we shouldn't look down upon them and you shouldn't only as a recruiter or as a company only be targeting candidates who don't have gaps in their resume because you're missing out on a large chunk of candidates. So honestly, the job market is just, it's so wild and it's just crazy to see like in my five years that I've worked in it, how much things have changed, how much up, how much down. I like that you touched on the biases that recruiters recruiters can have. A question I've always had is, do recruiters have conversations with upper management when it comes to hiring practices or is there a disconnect? I think that's a great question. And, you know, I would have had a very different answer if I only had my agency experience because, again, working at an agency, it is such a different recruiting. And I'm not like you get the most intense recruiting training working at an agency, but working internally, it's very different. And so I feel like I have a very well-rounded view of this. So 
when we talk, if you are a recruiter working at an agency, your job is you're working for the client. You're not working for the candidates. You're working for the client. And so they can say, this is what I need. I need it now. And because we want the business, we're going to do everything in our power to meet that need. Now, I mean, I will say like in my time working at an agency, I have had conversations, right, where I'm like, hey, what you're asking for, I don't think I'll be able to find it. Like, would we be able to maybe alleviate some of, you know, our pain points and kind of change up our search and da, 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 da. And I've given pushback and feedback to hiring managers. But again, I am not their HR, right? So my job is to fill the role and so they can be very candid with me and say hey I'm looking for this 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 and this and the expectation is I'm going to find that now I think again with the roles that I had working at an agency I just was a part of a lot of those more hard conversations where we did talk about things like you know practices and ways to better find candidates that would fit the profile and you know just different things like that versus working internally I've been able to learn so much about just internal hiring practices and, you know, like diversity slating and certain things that we can and cannot even ask about on a recruiter screen that because it puts the company you work at as a liability. And so in that, I feel like working internally, you definitely have more of a consultative approach where you are um, being able to say, hey, like we cannot just look for this kind of candidate. We need to look for the best candidates who meet these technical skill sets. It's not just, okay, you want these three things. I found these three resumes that have all three things and now you're going to choose. No, it's very inclusive. It's a very competitive process. And I, I think that's been really interesting for me to see. So it sounds like being contracted with Microsoft has really opened up your additional um considerations that you that you have personally when it comes to ethical you know practices I am very passionate about DE&I and like making sure that humans are treated fairly again like I just think the last couple years have been really hard on a lot of people and it's really refreshing to see you know so many large tech companies being and not just tech companies but again I work at one and I know they kind of all operate in a similar headspace that you know they look for the best candidate and it doesn't mean that they have to have all the technical or like the right experience like they are open to you know finding diverse candidates and what I mean by that it's like hey they don't have to have like there's always if you look at Microsoft postings I can only speak of Microsoft but it'll say or equivalent experience so it'll be like for example bachelor's degree and blah 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 or equivalent experience. So again, if you have maybe a bachelor's degree and you don't have the relevant experience in whatever the role is, but you have some kind of equivalent experience, you can still apply and they could still review your resume and say, okay, you're right. You do have relevant experience for this role. And now I want to interview you because you could be a quality candidate versus I think that some organizations and some recruiters, they don't, you know, have those means to do that. They just kind of go off what the hiring manager says and then, yeah, you know, I've seen some of Ford's postings and they definitely have a little, 
segment where they talk about yeah. you don't have to com- completely have every requirement that we have listed on this job description. I have a little bit of a conflict when it comes to organizations and how they are implementing rules and regulations to their hiring practices. I just think that it's a very fine line between finding the right people and being very careful and treading lightly when when having some biases yeah. in the hiring practices. I mean, everyone has unconscious bias and we learned about that in comms, right? Like we all have some kind of unconscious bias. And so as a recruiter at a large organization, it is your job to remind hiring managers, hey, like we need to keep as much bias out of this as possible. And we really need to stick to the questions being technical. So you're asking about their experience, right? You're talking through certain things. And yes, you might have some questions that relate to the culture and the values of that organization, but they're not biased. They are very open to interpretation and hearing how that candidate would respond. So I know that there are probably a a good amount of job seekers out there. Can you tell me what five things you look for in candidates as you look to place them in these roles? Well, before I get into that, I'm going to tell you a stat, um, which I always think it's really interesting to share, but I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to ask you a question now. How long... As a recruiter, if you were a recruiter or, you know, if someone's reviewing your resume, how long do you think they look at your resume for? Well, I think I already know because I think you already told me, but is it like a few seconds? Yeah. On average, a recruiter looks at a resume five to seven seconds. Five to seven seconds. Five to seven seconds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's a, that's a very quick scan. It is a very quick scan. So when you think about that, just knowing that as a job seeker, you can kind of now think, okay. If I was looking at my resume, what would I immediately look at? Again, this might be the Virgo in me, the perfectionist in me. I don't know. But I am a big stickler on like form or maybe the comms in me. Honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, stickler on like formatting, font styles, like the way your resume just looks off jump. Like if your resume has a bunch of different fonts, weird spacing, like all that, I automatically might be like, oh, nope, I'm going to like just like this doesn't read easily. I don't like this. I don't like to review this. Now at my current job, I'm not as actively like reviewing resumes. But again, I think this stat is still important that most recruiters look at a resume for five to seven seconds. So formatting is huge, right? What about (laughs) colors? Like the names and the color? I don't like that. No colors. This is a, a me thing. And I would say this. What did I recruit my breadth of experience? Accounting and finance. Why would an accounting and finance have a pretty colorful resume? That's kind of weird. But I would say if you work in a creative space, like if you're in the arts, entertainment, if you're a graphic designer, if you're doing social media, absolutely. Like I feel like that, again, like the name ca- can be like in a cre- deep, like, deep color or something. There's so many caveats to... Again, I can only speak on my experience and I recruited very corporate, like you work in an office type of setting for the most part. Yeah, like if you're a creative, I absolutely think that you can add color or you could have, you know, like fun things on your resume because I think that's a part of your job, right? Like typically if you're in graphic design or media or something, they're going to ask for a portfolio. So why not start it on your resume? But I think for me in my experience, like I typically recruit very corporate functions roles so it would be very strange if I saw 
you know, a resume that's has like borders around it or is in different colors. To me, that takes away from what you're saying because I'm now thinking, why is this accountant? Why do they have their name in hot pink? That's what I'm going to be thinking about. Again, I think you really take that with a grain of salt, depending on what kind of industry, what kind of field you and profession you work in. But I do think it's extremely important to have a really good resume with formatting, with good spacing, with good language. And when I say good language, it's like the words you're using, make sure they're relevant. And what I mean by that is don't just throw things in your resume or in your professional statement because they're jargon. And that's what a bunch of people like if it doesn't read correctly. And again, this might be just because I am a comms major, but I will read that and be like, that does not make sense. Like in the way you use that, that makes absolutely no sense. Um, so I would say so the, proofread, like proofread, make sure that you are using the appropriate words. You spell things right. You're using the right, like you're using commas. If you're using periods at the end of each of your bullets, all of them have periods. Make sure you're using the right tenses. If you are no longer at a company, please speak on it in the past tense. If you currently work at the company, make sure it's present tense. Like little things like that to me go a very long way because that means that you cared. Like I asked you to, well, whether I asked you to send me your resume, you you send it to me in my LinkedIn messages. If you're sending a recruiter your resume on LinkedIn, like please just make sure that it's the best resume, it's your finished resume. You know what I mean? Because we get inundated. Like since I've started at Microsoft and working as a contractor there, I probably get five, five to 25 requests on a daily basis. And, and I was here with you. I was here with you when you took a call, which I thought was super cool because obviously you're busy, obviously on your free time, you're either traveling or you're hanging yeah. out with friends or family. And so I was here with another friend of ours Yeah, and you, I was sitting, I was standing in the kitchen. I just loved hearing you consult this young guy yeah. on tips that you had for him. Obviously I can see how people want to know more. They want mm -hmm. to know what, how can I leverage everything I have? And so kudos to him for reaching out because yeah. he's already started. He's already began to say, okay, I've begun to say, okay, we're, we're what can I adjust? What can yeah. I change? Yeah. I mean, I really, I would say like one one group of people and individuals that I'm very passionate about helping is like the people who are like newly entering the workforce. Right. And I just think, I think a lot of it goes back to my experience when I got brought on to my first job out of college. I like the recruiter who did my initial interview, she was incredible. And I just, I think about how I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. I like mean, when I graduated, I'm sorry, I have to say this, no, going back to that human touch, like you talked about the importance of, you know, people sometimes look at recruiters. You're not, you're not calling me back. I've yeah. contacted you. But yeah. It's that human touch. It's that answering that responding to that LinkedIn, even saying, Hey, I'm so sorry. I really don't have time, but let me circle back or let me reach back. Uh, and so I think talking about this, um, things changing and having that human touch, it's not only important for you to get the right people to work for you. It's important because it reflects on the organization. Yeah. If you want to have an organization that can, that is supported by its consumers, you have to bring on people that are quality. Yeah. And unfortunately, with so many things changing post-COVID, with so many things changing dramatically and still yet to change, like I have so many thoughts about how organizations have to change right now and what's going to change in, in five years. And I'll yeah. ask you more about your thoughts on that specifically in terms of recruiting. But I'm just always 
thinking of the organization's benefit to choosing not only good employees, to your point, making sure that the wrong people don't get weeded out by a system if something was done incorrectly, mm-hmm. right? And and extending that, um, the interview process, you know, so I don't know, maybe it means also making sure automated services uh, are, are up to date, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I just am very passionate about helping like new individuals entering the workforce because I just remember how lost and overwhelmed I felt. And I mean, I know you can relate a little bit because now you've got, you know, you're finished with your MBA and now it's kind of crunch time for you. But like when I graduated, I knew, hey, I got to get to work. Like I got to find a job. Right. And so I just think about all the experiences that I had and all like applying and doing all these things and like the recruiters that I talked to, I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to even, I think Cal Poly prepared me and I'm also just naturally like pretty good at communicating, but there are some people who are not. And so if I can be a resource and give them something to help them, like I want to do that because I just, I hear so many individuals again on like TikTok or on like LinkedIn talking about how hard it is, you know, to be a new grad and you know, they're graduating with us all this debt and you know, they just want to get a job. And if I can have a small impact in helping them or pushing them along the right way, like what is 20 minutes of a phone call? What's 10 seconds of me messaging somebody back? And and matching that individual that you have face-to-face with, with your, the company that you're either contracted for or, or look, seeking to fill a position. And even if I don't, like, I, I think that's the thing, like I am one to... I'll still respond. Like, even if I am not the right person, right? Because I get a lot of messages, especially when you start working at a big tech company or like a really reputable company. People are like, oh, I see your recruiter. I applied for this. And it's like, hey, I'm not the recruiter on that, but I still give them the time of day to let them know, hey, Natalie, thank you so much for the connection. Like, and then I give them contacts. Hey, I am, I recruit on this. That's not my specialty. I don't really know much about that role, but I love to hear that you applied. If they say they didn't apply, then I say, you know, hey, like you should apply for the role. And then I just give them contacts. Hey, we're getting a bunch of applicants. Our recruiters are working as fast as possible. And, you know, if you're a great fit or if you match the qualifications, you will hear back from one of the recruiters. If not, like you will get some kind of communication letting you know that the, you know, the process hasn't been moving forward. But these are the types of recruiters that you should reach out to at this specific organization who can give you more contacts like that. And I know it's a lot, especially if you're really busy as a recruiter and getting the amount of messages that I get. And I have a little bit more downtime right now. So I do respond, but I think it is important. Like you don't know how many people reach back out when I say that message and they're like, thank you so much. Like for your prompt reply, mind you, it's like two yeah. or three days, but they're like, thank no, you so still, much. Yeah, like, I mean, you, you know, you, when maybe you helped others didn't. Me. Yeah. And so if, to any small business owners out there, any business owners, any CEOs, any pe- anyone that's in, in hiring, uh, this messaging is important because this is, this is the face of your, you know, you need to yeah. work on training your, your recruiters properly, but also this is like the extra, you want to hire again, people that, that like Rihanna. Goes back to what I- <laughs> But that's good. Hire Rihanna. Well, uh, <laughs> but that does go back to what I was stating about like good and great recruiters. Why right? a good yeah. recruiter will see the message, maybe respond to a few. A great recruiter is going to go above and beyond. Yeah, if you have someone reaching out to you as a recruiter, and you're like, they're really they they've told me things about my company that even I'm I don't know that I feel the same way, but they're obviously very enthused about the yeah. company for whatever reason. It's to their benefit to to bring on people like that. 
because they already won are showing interest in the company. And two, I think personally, I think with, with the job force changing the way it is with qualified people out there, the way, you know, looking for jobs, Mm -hmm. it's, it's great to have, I think those are great people that you're in contact with because it's just going to fill the roles that you're looking to fill. And it's people that are quality. It's also as a recruiter, there's no better feeling than to not have to work well, there's both. Like, it's always great to fill an extremely challenging role, but it's also so amazing to have roles that you don't need to actively recruit on because people are reaching out to you and, you know, saying they're interested in these positions. Like, what a perfect world would that be if every role could be filled up? I, I know that it's not the case that every role will f- be filled perfectly, um, but if you can even get a few of just candidates who reach out to you, they are fit, you know, you take them through the screening process, they get an offer. Amazing. Like, you know, how much easier is that for you as a recruiter? What do you think sets Microsoft apart as an employer from your perspective? I mean, I would say this because I am only a contractor, which it's been a great experience overall. I would say the number one thing is training. Like, I just think that they invest, even though we are not permanent employees, you know, we're all just there on an assignment and helping out. They do give so much in their training and it's so much stuff. And again, this could just be because I've never worked internally, but it's like so useful. Absolutely. And like it like I, it boggles my mind. I remember when I first started, I was, you know, reaching out to some of my friends who used to work at the agency with me and then went to tech as well, like different tech companies. And I was like, oh, my God, like I can't believe like I learned this or can you tell me like you know, did you know that? You know what I mean? And just so cool that they invest so much in their talent, whether it's permanent or full time. And then on top of that, just learning like through being, you know, a recruiter at Microsoft, like learning about what they offer, you know, their candidates and employees, like it's incredible. And it's definitely, you know, I can see why people stay at the company so long. Like there's, there's so many people that i talk to that are hiring managers that I chat with that have been at the organization for years and it's because you know they offer such amazing benefits they give such like an inclusive work environment they you know have so much flexibility it's all this stuff that I feel like as somebody in the workforce now you're 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 looking for Mm -hmm. and then on top of that it's an extremely reputable company but I'm such a nerd when it comes to training and development and a lot Mm -hmm. of that has to go with like you know, down the line, like that's where I'm like, what I'm passionate about is like ensuring that onboarding and training is really well developed for teams. Like when I was a manager at my last job, I really got to streamline those processes. And I just love the fact that as a vendor, that's what they call contractors there as a vendor, I still am getting this incredible onboarding experience that the, you know, there's program managers that give weeks and weeks and months of their time to ensure that, you know, all of us are getting everything we need. And even now, months later, we still have, you know, biweekly calls to make sure, hey, we're getting the support. And they're always asking, hey, for feedback. Like, is there anything that we could have done to make this training better? And, you know, I just love that. And I think another thing, because again, this is the first time I've ever worked a contract. I have obviously placed a number of contractors, but it's that feeling of uneasiness where you're like, okay, if I start and I'm not a full-time employee, like, are they going to treat me any differently? Are they going to look at me any differently? And like everyone at Microsoft has been so incredibly kind and just like incredible to be 
making sure that we are onboarded appropriately and we're getting the training and help that we need. Like, Just a baby disclosure. If you haven't noticed, we've got my dog, lovely matcha hanging out with us tonight. So if you hear a little footsteps, yeah, little paws and barks he just because he wants to be a part of the podcast. He really does. Rihanna, what makes you go? What sparks your joy and your your energy? Um, I feel like there's a couple of things, but you know, I think the number one thing that brings me a lot of joy is the opportunity that it's like a new day and that there's so much unknown in that. I think that's so beautiful. Like, and I feel like every day I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I wonder what today is going to bring. Like, I wonder what I'm going to get to learn or what I'm going to be able to do differently. And I think that's, that's really cool. Obviously, of course, my family, my friends, like they're everything to me. And I just feel so grateful to have, you know, so many just beautiful people in my life. And I think lastly to go kind of tie it back to one of my biggest passions is travel, but like that unknown, right? I think I, that's why I love travel. Cause I get to go and experience all of these unknowns and enjoy them and make all these memories and see the world. And like those, I would say like those three things really every day, like I couldn't be more grateful for that. Yeah. And having known you for so long, um, you've always been a source of joy and happiness. And I know times have always not been perfect and we all struggle, you know, we all have our off days. Um, what kind of advice do you have to someone who's having an off day or they've been applying and they've, they've not been successful? Like what is your advice to them having this worldview that you have? Yeah. I mean, I think when you say, when you bring it to recruiting, what I can say is this, like you can apply for a hundred, a thousand jobs, but all it takes is one yes, right? And I know how discouraging it can be absolutely to keep hearing no's. I think when you refer it to what I do, right, recruiting specifically, like having those bad days, I get it. It happens, right? Like this job market right now is really tough. But my advice to you, if you are seeking, you know, you've been unemployed or you just graduated or whatever your case is and you're looking for a role, don't look at the number of no's because there's going to be a lot of them. Like truthfully, like all it takes is one yes. And I just strongly believe that everything is meant to happen the way it's supposed to, right? And like a lot of that has to do with like my faith. Like I just believe God has a plan for every single person. But if you don't have that faith, like I would just say, just believe that like what is meant for you will always be. And that's something that I say to myself frequently when I doubt things. I'm like, what's meant for me will be. And when you really truly sit in that statement and think like what's meant for me will be, you can let go of all doubt and like all the uncertainty and be like, wow, like that job that I applied for that I really wanted, it clearly was not meant for me because if it was, I would have had it. And I think the thing that's so incredible with that, it's like we have such a small view of what we think could happen that you say like, oh, this is it. This is the dream job. But you don't know in 10 applications, you're going to call back for a job that you could have never even thought of that matches and aligns with exactly what you would want to do even more. So that's what I have to say to that. Like, I think it's both answering your question when it comes to like in the job application space, but in life, just remember what's meant for you will always be. Yeah. And if it's not meant for you 
And if it's Matcha's not agreeing with us, yeah, Matcha <laughs> says preach, mom. But what's not meant for you, it's it's not going to be a part of your life, and that's okay. And I think that's something that I've been having to deal with is like that not like what's not meant for you part, where it's like, oh, but I really wanted that. You could really want something, and it can really hurt. Whether it's a job, you know, moving a relationship, whatever it is. But when those no's come. And they hurt because I know they do, right? And they get taken away from you and you're like, why? I'm going to tell this story and then you could cut me off now because I know I'm just going to ramble. But when I think about me quitting my job, like that that experience in itself was very emotional and it was a lot, right? Um, it was, I mean, I thought about doing it for mo- like probably a year before I did it. And, you know, I finally got the unction in me like hey it's now your time like you do have to go and when I made that decision that I was going to do it it was June of 2023 right I I made that decision and I actually like filmed like a little kind of recap at the end of the year just more for myself to just remind myself of everything that you know I, I did in the year and I was talking and I was looking looking through it and I saw like in the month of of June like how distraught and upset and how I like kept saying I was like will it ever get better like I just I can't like I just don't know if it will like I had such bad anxiety like I couldn't sleep like just so many things weighing on me and at the end of the year like reflecting and being able to see like in six months my life changed and a lot of that has to do with the faith that I had in myself and the faith that I had in God and the trust that I put in myself that hey like I don't really know because for you guys, like when I quit my my previous job, I had nothing lined up. I quit and I went on vacation and I said, hey, I'll figure it out when I get back. And then I got this contract at Microsoft through, you know, my network and having people that knew my work ethic. And they said, hey, Reed, like you'd be great. And then I got this job and I didn't even have to interview. They loved my resume that much. And like, you know what I'm saying? I say all that to say it's like seven, eight months ago, my life was so different. And I look back and I'm like, wow, like how amazing if I didn't trust in the process and trust and believe that things were meant to be the way, the way that they were supposed to, like I would not be in the state that I am now. Like literally the happiest I've ever felt in a very long time being able to have so much more freedom and like really figuring out who I am now at 28 and like having the liberty to do that it's just so amazing and so I say all that to say it's like one trust the process but also trust in yourself Mm -hmm. and I think that's a really hard thing for people to do right like we can a lot of times a lot of a lot about this especially people that are driven they're really hard on themselves I, I was I was so I I was so hard on myself to to even think about quitting this job and to even feel the way I felt and to even feel the way I felt. It was very rough and it was really hard on who I am because for so long I defined who I was to my job and work. And then when I no longer wanted to work there and I no longer felt like it suited who I was as a person because I outgrew that space oh my God, like it was the hardest thing to say, okay, like now you have to trust yourself and trust that something better is out there for you. And you might, again, like at that time, I didn't know what it was. I I really didn't. I quit my job and had nothing lined up. But 
I believed in myself and I believed in what I stood for and I believed in my work ethic enough to say, hey, like something's going to happen because I am a great employee and I bring a lot to the table. And I'm not encouraging everybody to, you know, do the same thing and quit your job. Like, I think you should be smart. But like for me and my journey in my deep of heart, like I knew knew that that had to be done. Did you have anybody that pushed back when you were like, I'm ready to do this? Because I I mean, I know you and I had conversations prior. I remember my thoughts when you first told me. You know, what's crazy is that I obviously I, I knew. So I, I kind of made this decision in my mind in June, like, hey, like, you know, you really are going to you're going to do this like you're going to quit. And I didn't quit until August. So a few months. But I obviously started talking to the people like my friends, like my family, they knew and everyone was extremely supportive. And I think the craziest and like the most incredible part of it all is even when I put in my notice at work, the response I got from my managers, my leaders they were so kind and they like I was a little nervous in the sense because I know I bring a lot to the table and I do a lot at my job and I thought I was gonna hear like you're making a mistake or like those negative things like kind of what you're asking and I just got the most positive feedback like everyone was just like re we're gonna miss you like you're a huge asset to our team but like we see it like we see it in you like your your joy your kind of like your spark is gone and like if this place isn't serving you like we love you enough as a person to Let say it's okay and yeah. like we'll always be here for you and I think like that to me was so reassuring that I made the decision because it's like they're telling me re like you're coming in and you're not being they even like they even said somebody was like I know it hasn't been easy and I know you haven't been able to give your 100% that we know of every day but every day you come in and you give what you could that day and that's true I am that kind of person like even if my 100% for the day is 50 I'll give all 50 of it and it was you know like I can't say that there was one person who was like who came at me negatively like every person whether it was family friends colleagues like everyone was so happy and I think they like I needed that validation because I was already so like are you making the most stupid decision of your life but but you know when I got that validation and then I got like I knew in my heart I had to make that decision but when I got that validation it was like that was God answering kind of like my prayer, like, hey, girl, like I got you and like you're doing what you need to do. And then I, I got to do that. I quit and, you know, I ended on such a wonderful note. And then I got to go on three weeks of vacation and like really be present. And like I was talking about, like what brings me joy is like that unknown, like going to these beautiful places that people don't get to see and being fully immersed in that culture and that life. And just the surroundings and not having any stress and anxiety. That was the most beautiful gift I could have ever given myself. So I know I just went on a huge tangent, but like that was just a great question. And, you know, I just think I truly, truly believe like trust that things are always going to work out the way that they need to and trust yourself. And And if you do those two things, you can just have the faith that like everything will work out the way it needs to be. And some people will say like, oh my gosh, she's one of those girls. But I am like, I think that you truly have to believe in what you want and put it out there, like, and put it into the universe and, and speak on yourself and your friends and the people you care about positively, because what you put out there is what you start to think and what you think is what you become. So 
even just something as small as like, have you ever realized when you say like, oh, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Then tomorrow comes and you have like a really horrible day. And it's probably because like, you know, on Sundays, I have these days all the time, right? Like, I can't believe tomorrow's Monday. I do not want to go back to work, blah, blah, blah. And then Monday rolls around and you're dragging, you're groggy. And it seems like all these bad things happen. You kind of put it out there for these bad things to happen. It's true. So I try to start my days now. Like today is going to be a great day. It's going to be an amazing day. Even if I didn't have the best day yesterday. Why? And then I list off things I'm thankful for. I'm thankful like the top three things you asked me. Like I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful that I have another chance to, you know, learn something new or do something better. I'm thankful for da 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 da. And just shift your perspective on life. Honestly, my sister and I were talking maybe like a year and a half ago or so. And something she said is she says, I get to, yeah, you know, I get to go to work tomorrow. I get to go walk my dog. I get to spend time with my kids. I get to go to work yeah. again, you know, and, and that simple to. mindset shift though. It's like, I have to know you get to you like, get especially to. when you bring up the work yeah. thing, there's so, and it like breaks my heart to think about, but there's so many people that I see on LinkedIn that haven't been able to work in six months, a year, more than a year because of circumstances, because the job market. So for you to have a job, like, yeah, things might be rough, but you get to go to work and you get to have a paycheck that can provide for yourself or your family. And that's something in itself that you should be thankful for. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Thank you for sharing your experience, Ree. I think, um, it's all very refreshing, especially when it comes from a different perspective. Cause you, I've totally had those days where I like, you know, I'm like, Oh, this is a problem, you know, but you and I, we connect on this. Like we talk, we talk to ourselves. We like yeah. journal to ourselves. Okay. F- figure out this problem. And it's going to get better. Yeah. And one thing I always like saying, you know, obviously I, you know, I have faith too, and I believe in God and I, I truly believe that it always gets better. It and, does. And, and you may have to go through some some hills and you may have to walk around, you know, but, but I think truly, you know, life is a beautiful gift and I think it always gets better, especially when you put your faith in God and you, you go out and and have a positive mindset. Yeah. And even if you already think it's as great as it could ever be, like it can all like, I think it just ties back to what I was saying. It's like, you could have thought that job was the best thing for you as your dream. And you, you know, then you end up actually getting your dream and you would have never known that. Yeah. And I just think, like you said, like life is such a beautiful gift and mm-hmm. we should all, I, I know there's hardships and there's tough and low points. Like I, I mean, I talked about some of them earlier, but even in, in those, like I, I just look at it with a, just a very big spirit of gratitude because I would not be who I am if I did not go through those things. If I didn't get to experience the anxiety and the sleepless nights and the self-doubt and all of those things, I would not be who I am today. And like, I just, I love who I am today. And so I'm very grateful for even in those very tough moments, who I have become and who I will continue to become because life is progressive and you will always grow and change Greg's books are in the back of my mind. Become <laughs> or becoming. <laughs> what are we? Thank you, Ree, so much for hanging out with me and sharing your valuable knowledge on on the market, what's going on right now in real estate, and some of your personal journey. Sorry, <laughs> all I, the time. I'm constantly saying anything with an R. It's just gonna be real. Rihanna estate. is real estate. Rihanna, real estate. <laughs> I mean, I am um, Natalie's assistant, you are my in, assistant in real estate. Um, 
it's on help. the it's on the top of her mind. You need some help. I'm actually looking for friends right now. I'm trying to find a home for them. So please reach out. Um, Rihanna, we've now reached the point where I have a couple questions for you. Okay. Uh, question number one: What is your favorite word? My favorite word. I have a couple, but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with this word. It's called kismet. And it is derived from another language and I can't remember off the top of my head, but it is basically the serendipity of like being at the right place at the right time and experiencing something that could never happen unless you were there. And I learned this from actually one of my girlfriends that I met when I was on our trip to Greece and how me and my friend, we were supposed to go to this trip a few weeks earlier. I got really sick. I couldn't go. We pushed our trip back and we met two of like our greatest friends in life. And she was like, it's Kismet. And I was like, what the heck is that? And I looked it up and I was like, that is such a cool word because that is, I feel like I feel that all the time. Like I'm always like, wow, these things changed. And here's like an even greater experience. So that's the word I'm giving you today, Nat. You know, us calm girls get geeked out over words. I know. <laughs> okay. And the second question is AI or original work? Original work. I just think that you are your truest and authentic self if it's original. Like I think even when I use AI, like personally, right? I still edit it to make it sound more like me. And I think... All of us have such a unique perspective on life. It's it's funny. Like, I think even when you read a text, right? Like, not when you text me, I read it how you would talk to me. And so it's like, if I'm sending an email or I'm sending out this letter or doing these things, I want it to have a little bit of me. So you know, oh yeah, like, that was re. Like, again, I love to use AI for help, but I would never just copy paste. Like, I always do a little edit. Yeah. I'm all about authenticity, Nat, you know? I love it. Great. Keep thinking about our professors from Cal Poly Pomona. And so shout out. CPP. <laughs> let's let's name some. Horowitz. Um, Professor Horowitz. Oh, my gosh. Dr. Sunny Lee, Sunny my Lee. queen. I love I, her. I hope you guys are listening and uh, enjoy a conversation between your previous. Your favorite comm students. Your former students. <laughs> um, no, I just I think that they're amazing people. You know, yeah. Dr. Sung. Like, I think all oh, of yeah. them are such fun people and they honestly I mean we talk about this all the time but Cal Poly really just I think hires incredible professors and really for me just made me ready like shape me to be who I am today yeah. you know what I mean yeah I wouldn't even be doing this I wouldn't even be doing this podcast if it wasn't for Esther at at CPP in the, the stratcom department who like allotted me the opportunity yeah. to like start a podcast there. Yeah. Like yeah. this has been a dream of mine since then. So shout out to you as well. Um, we love Cal Poly Pomona. Love Cal Poly Pomona. Go Broncos. Go Broncos. Even Rihanna. though you guys got rid of our CLA building. Oh, I was so sad. I always drive by there. Now, I know. So. Now it's like, what do we look at? I don't even know. But Rihanna, if anybody has any questions, can they reach out to you on LinkedIn? Yeah. My name is, well, you'll <laughs> see it in the title. My, my LinkedIn messages are always open. Honestly, I will give you guys this though. If you want to do that, come with a funny like title. The other day I was This is oh, the concrete. Wait, no, no, no. The <laughs> other day it was so funny. Is it, it was last Friday and I get this cuz I get a lot of people too reaching out for like recruiting software or like sales stuff. And this guy messages me and says 
please read or I'm fired. And I immediately was like, <laughs> absolutely, I'll read it. Like, are you kidding me? And I knew he was probably like a Gen Z or like, like a, a Zillennial probably like me. And it was just the way he said, please, like, please, PLS, read or I'm fired all in lowercase. And then he gave one to Spiel and I literally responded, I messaged you back because your title made me laugh so hard. Thank you for that. And then I went on to say, I am not the right point of contact for this, but I really hope you'll be able to get somebody with this oh because gosh. it was so funny. I but, love that. So if you are going to DM me on LinkedIn, come with a really creative title. Like come, come with something that's going to make me laugh because I do get 25 to 40 yeah, of these a day many. we all we all need a laugh so i love yeah that. come come with something good please all right you heard <laughs> it from the source rihanna thank you so much this is fun if you need any other recruiting tips you can always reach out reach out hey thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed our conversation thank you you're welcome anytime natalie <laughs>